You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Dan Feldman here. Welcome to Locked On Pistons. You can follow Locked On Pistons on Audio Boom or subscribe on iTunes. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Feldman NBA. As I'm sure you know by now, this is going to be the last season for the Pistons at the Palace of Auburn Hills. And the Pistons are going to commemorate that with what they're calling the Best of Seven series. Seven games throughout the year uh, that they're going to play up rivals the Pistons had during the Palace era. Uh, commemorate stuff in the arena about about those games years ago. I think it's a pretty cool idea, a nice way to send the Palace off. Obviously, the last game in April is going to be a big deal for people who grew up and, and cared about going to games at the Palace. Uh, but this is just a nice way to do something along the way. The seven games, uh, Tuesday, January 3rd against the Pacers, February 8th against the Lakers, February 10th against the Spurs, February 26th against the Celtics, February 28th against the Trailblazers, March 6th against the Bulls, and March 26th against the Heat. All those were teams the Pistons played in the playoffs during this era in some very big series. I thought it'd be fun just to go back and talk about what some of those rivalries have meant. We'll just go in order of the the games, how they're going to do them. Uh, First up is the Pacers. Yeah, the Pistons played the Pacers once in a pretty meaningless series back in the Bad Boys days, Uh, but the real Pistons-Pacers series came en route to the 2004 championship, and maybe maybe even the year after. Uh, The Pistons met Indiana in the Eastern Conference Finals the year they won the title. That was one of the best playoff series I've ever seen. Just a real defensive battle. Both teams were so good. And I think as a result of the Pistons winning, I think that Pacers team is underappreciated. You know, it wasn't wouldn't be long after till the brawl at the Palace really derailed them, led to long term suspensions for Meta World Peace, Jermaine O'Neal. Uh just led to a huge shakeup in the organization. They didn't want to have players with that image on their team, so it led to trades on top of it. But Rick Carlisle was coaching that team. And you know how he can coach defense, and, and that was just an awesome series. Ron Artest was unbelievably good, uh, hounding Rip Hamilton on the perimeter. Rip Hamilton was just a little bit better. Hamilton was the only player on either team who provided anywhere near reliable scoring, which is such a credit to Hamilton, because I don't know how either team scored, you know, because both, neither, neither team was amazing offensively. Both were definitely better defensively, but they were really good defensively. And they put their energy there, and they played so physical, and they slowed the game down more than they usually would. And these were pretty slow teams anyway, but more than they usually would at this stage in the playoffs. Every possession was a war, and every basket mattered so much. And just Rip Hamilton had a lot of him. Uh, so that was, that was the defining arc of the series. Of course, the specific moment that stands out is Tayshawn Prince's block. Uh, if you remember, the Pistons lost game one. And Rasheed Wallace guaranteed game two. Very vehemently, we will not lose game two. And for a while, it looked like he was going to be wrong. He had a not-so-great game. His teammates really picked him up. It speaks to how much respect everybody had for Rasheed as a teammate. Uh, But the Pacers looked like they were going to pull away. Reggie Miller got the ball in the fast break after a late steal, and Tayshaun Prince just came out of nowhere to chase him down, the ultimate chase-down block, and... The Pistons saved the ball, you know, kept it, and that's how they they won that game. It got them back into the series, and just a a huge part of Pistons lore, probably the biggest play in favor of the Pistons in franchise history, 
came in that series. But that was on the road in Indiana, not part of the Palace history, but a, a part of the history of this rivalry. The Pistons played the Pacers in the playoffs again the next year in 2005 in the second round. The Pistons also won that one in six, but that was really just a lesser version of a of a Pacers team that was on the decline after their peak. Uh, but overall, just a really good and underrated rivalry in that era. Next up, the Lakers. The Pistons beat the Lakers, of course, for two championships in the Palace era. 1989, Detroit's first championship. And then again, 2004, their most recent championship. 1989, real, you know, kind of a downer of a series. Magic Johnson was hurt for most of it. So the Pistons swept the Lakers. I think the Pistons were on course to beat the Lakers anyway. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was was aging out uh, on the verge of retirement. And the Pistons were peaking. It was Detroit's time. Magic Johnson's injury just made it a little bit easier, uh, made it a non-competitive series. The Pistons won in Los Angeles, though. Uh, so that's sort of the, the defining moment in the sweep. It, there was no you know, great series-changing game, anything like that. Uh, so the defining moment is when the Pistons finally won their first championship. Unfortunately, that was away from Detroit. So was their second championship. We'll get to that when we get to the Trailblazers. But the third championship, that was the special one where they won it at home in front of their home fans. Just a great, great celebration. The Pistons split two games in L.A. in 2004 to start the series. Lakers were heavily, 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 heavily favorited uh, because they had Shaq, Kobe, Gary Payton, Carl Malone. They were the super team of that time. We, we get in all these discussions now of super teams, but when they had... Carl Malone and Gary Payton, two future Hall of Famers, to go with Shaq and Kobe to compliment them. They seemed like they'd be unstoppable. The Pistons beat them soundly in game one. It really felt like Detroit just just took it to them in a way few thought was possible. Rasheed Wallace opened the scoring of that series with a three-pointer, which just kind of said, like, okay, we're here. We can do this. Game two, uh, the Lakers won in overtime. Kobe Bryant hit a huge clutch shot to send it to overtime. Yeah, the Lakers deserved to win that game, but it was a nail-biter, could-have-gone-either-way, coin-flip type of game. The one game in L.A. that was decided soundly, that was in favor of the Pistons. Come back to the Palace, and the route was on. I believe the Pistons were the first team in this 2-3-2 finals format to win all three at home, because usually the team playing games 3, 4, and 5 at home is the lesser team. It's the team without home court advantage. The Lakers had a better record, so they had home court advantage, and the Pistons just destroyed them in those games. Uh, it was ranging, you know, from from twenty points to one game was only eight, but it felt like more. The Pistons were in complete control, just just routing the Lakers. It was a great time to be a Pistons fan to be in that arena. Everybody was rocking, and that's that's really a, a special time because that's the only time of the three championships, like I said, where the Pistons clinched it at home. Chauncey Billups finals MVP. Ben Wallace played a great finals with his individual defense on Shaq. The Pistons baited Kobe into, into some really tough shots that Kobe took trying to prove himself. The Pistons were the ultimate team playing against at least two individuals, maybe four individuals, a team that didn't really have it together. Uh, and that was just a, a great series, a great win for the Pistons. Next up is the Spurs, and kudos to the Pistons for honoring what playing the Spurs meant. This was the Pistons' other finals appearance in this era, 2005. They lost to the Spurs, but that's part of the Pistons' history. That's part of their legacy in this Palace era was the series loss. It was a really interesting series. The Spurs won twice at home. 
to start the series in blowouts. It looked like that would be it, that the Pistons just couldn't compete with San Antonio, that Tim Duncan, that everybody else was just too good. Well, come back to Detroit, the Pistons won game three and four in blowouts. So the series was tied 2-2 without a single competitive game. Game five, hugely competitive. Unfortunately, you know how that ended. Rasheed Wallace tried to trap in the corner, left Robert Ori open for the for the game-winning three-pointer. Spurs take a 3-2 lead, which is so big in a best-of-seven series, especially when the Spurs were going back to San Antonio. Well, the Pistons in game six uh, played, a, played an excellent game to win that, just showed their resolve, showed their toughness, that they weren't going to give in, they weren't going to quit. Uh, an underrated game in showing what the, the Pistons team of that era, what the going-to-work Pistons had in them, and they even had a lead in Game 7 late. Looked like they could win that. Unfortunately, it wasn't quite enough. The Spurs were an excellent team. It was just a very good series, and I'm glad the Pistons are are honoring that. I won't call it a rivalry with the Spurs because they only met in those one finals, but there was seemed there seemed to be beyond that. Uh, these two teams were trying to stack up. They were both teams that prided themselves on their defense, especially in this era. Uh, teams from not the traditional glitzy markets, uh, but that just did things the right way, had had real good cultures at that time. Spurs still do. It's a tribute to how strong their culture was, stronger than Detroit's turned out to be. Uh, but at the time, we didn't know that. And those two teams, the Spurs were definitely a measuring stick for the Pistons. I'm not sure whether the Spurs felt the same way about, about the Pistons going the other way, but the Spurs were a team definitely the Pistons looked to as a measuring stick. So kudos for the Pistons, to the Pistons for honoring that rivalry, that series, even though it did not end with a win for Detroit. Next up is the Celtics. The Pistons had some great series with the Celtics in a couple years prior to the Palace opening in 1987 when the Celtics won, in 1988 when the Pistons won. But there was enough happening during the Palace era where this is definitely a good game, a good series to to call attention to. The Pistons swept the Celtics in 1989 in the first round en route to Detroit's first championship. They met again in the 91 playoffs. The Pistons also won that one 4-2. Boston was a little healthier that year, but this was the Celtics team uh, somewhat on the decline. The one series that I'd like to call attention to was the 2002 second round against the Celtics. The Pistons had a real breakthrough year, 50 wins out of nowhere. Nobody expected that. They went from 32 wins the year before to 50. Uh, just a real feel-good story. But the Celtics showed how far the Pistons had to come. Detroit scraped by the Raptors in the first round in five games, winning their three home games, losing both in Toronto. It was a tough series. Uh, and not exactly what you'd want to see from a, a real high seed in the Eastern Conference. And they played the Celtics, and the Celtics just showed them what second-round basketball was like. The Pistons hadn't been to the second round since the bad boys. It was a long time. Uh, to go first round and out. And that's when I really got an appreciation for how much harder it is in the second round, how much bigger everything gets, how much more amplified everything is. Uh, just because there's so much more attention to pay on fewer teams. When there's 16 teams, all the attention is spread out. Yes, it's a big deal to be in the playoffs. But once you get down to eight teams, that's when everybody really hones in nationally. There's a spotlight on you, and the Pistons just weren't ready for it. Paul Pierce was phenomenal, carved up the Pistons, and it sent a message to the whole organization of what needs to be done to get serious if you want to advance deep in the playoffs, and the Pistons did it. You know, Two years later, they were NBA champions, started a run the next year of making the Eastern Conference Finals all the way until 2008, uh, which also that run ended against the Celtics. 
Uh, the Celtics put together a phenomenal team with Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, and Paul Pierce. Uh, Rajon Rondo and Kendrick Perkins weren't half bad either. I don't think people realized at the time, especially Rondo, but either, either one of them, how good both those guys were. Uh, the Celtics put a lot on them because they, they gave up a lot of depth to acquire Ray Allen and to acquire Kevin Garnett. Uh, but it worked. That team was peaking. The Pistons were good enough to beat them. They were capable of winning that series. Uh, the Pistons just couldn't get it done. They just weren't quite good enough that year. And, you know, that's okay. Uh, it was a great run. And to, for it to end against the Celtics was was sort of fitting for it to go completely all the way around. Again, going back to the pre-Palace era, but there's, of course, that famous moment uh, in 1988 when the Pistons beat the Celtics and Kevin McHale comes up and high fives uh, Billy and Beer and Isaiah Thomas and tells them to go beat the Lakers for it to come full circle for the Pistons to lose to the Celtics who beat the Lakers in those finals in 2008. Uh, it's just special how how this te- how these teams have circled each other over the years. So I mentioned how the 2004 Pistons were the first team to win all three games at home in a 2-3-2 finals. They were not the first team, though, to win all three of those games in one location, games three, four, and five. That's been done multiple times. One of the teams to do it, the 1990 Pistons. And that was against the Trailblazers, another team the Pistons are, are honoring, uh, or another rivalry the Pistons are honoring in this last season at the Palace. Again, though, it's a little weird because this one, the lore of it doesn't really have so much to do with the Palace. The Pistons split the first two games in Detroit, and the Trailblazers started talking big. We're not coming back to Detroit. This is it. We got our win. We're not coming back. And there was some reason to believe that. The Pistons had a very long losing streak in Portland, hadn't won there in many years. They go there, and guess what? The Trailblazers were right. The Pistons did not have to come back to win that series in Detroit. The Pistons won all three in Portland. The final game, Vinnie Johnson hit the shot with 007 left. That's probably the biggest reason his number is retired. And so, yeah, if you beat somebody for a championship, because just playing the Spurs in the finals, you know, that was a team that was honored. So, of course, beating the Trailblazers in the finals, that's going to be a, a rivalry honored because that was a huge moment. You win a championship. Not a lot of, of back and forth between the Pistons and Trailblazers over these years. But yeah, that one finals was enough. The penultimate team honored the Chicago Bulls. Uh, the Pistons were a huge stepping stone for the Bulls. Trying to get past Detroit is what what molded Michael Jordan and, the, and Scottie Pippen and the rest of that team into a true championship team. They were better for those battles. Uh, whether they wanted to admit it or not, they were definitely whining at the time about it. Uh, but eventually they came out ahead. The Pistons beat the Bulls in six games in the 1989 Conference Finals en route to the championship. Michael Jordan wasn't quite ready then. Uh, the Pistons also beat the Bulls in the 1990 Conference Finals en route to a championship. That one went seven games, though. Again, Michael Jordan not quite ready, but showed a lot of signs of growth. And then in 1991, uh, the Bulls finally cracked through in, in full force. They swept the Pistons, and that series ended in the in the infamous Pistons walking off the court without shaking the Bulls' hands. That was at the Palace. This is one of those memories, one of those rivalries that, that yeah, where the big moments happened in the Palace. And and it was, you know, this is the, the one everybody looks back on. I think they do so unfairly. They don't look back at how the Celtics walked off, with the exception of Kevin McHale, who's shown over and over again. Uh, but the rest of the Celtics walked off without shaking the Pistons' hands. 
when when the roles were reversed, when the Pistons were the up-and-coming team. And they don't talk about how the Bulls were so disrespectful to the Pistons, about how the Pistons were bad for basketball, were cheap, were dirty, were, were all these things that were just unfair criticism. And, yeah, did the Pistons play tough? Did they toe the line? If you want to call them dirty and leave it at that, that's fine. Uh, but when it took it to the extent it did uh, about uh, cheap shots and and just being bad for basketball and, and just such a disrespectful on a personal level and not being fair to what the Pistons had accomplished, uh, that's when a lot of Pistons took offense. And maybe too much offense, probably too much offense. It was probably a mistake to walk off. Uh, but you can see how it was done and shouldn't be something that cast the vil- Pistons only as villains. Uh, throughout the 90s, there was also a fairly strong Pistons-Bulls rivalry. I think that was felt more in Detroit's end just because you know, the Bulls were, were the best team. I think a lot of teams felt the Bulls were the measuring stick, wanted to match up with them, cared more about the game. So it turned into a rivalry uh, for several teams. But for the Pistons, I do think it was a little more real because of those battles in the late 80s and early 90s before the Bulls became the Bulls as we knew them in the 90s, the team that won six championships, uh, but also because Joe Dumars stuck around. Michael Jordan has said multiple times nobody guarded him better than Joe Dumars, and that was a point of pride in Detroit, uh, so that was always a matchup that that people cared a little bit more about, uh, and then the Pistons played the Bulls in the 2007 playoffs uh, en route to the conference finals. The, the Detroit beat the Bulls 4-2 to two in the second round. In the scheme of things during that conference finals run, a pretty forgettable rivalry or, or forgettable series, but overall this rivalry is very strong. Definitely good to see this one honored. And then lastly, the Heat. Uh, the Pistons and Heat met in the 2000 playoffs. That was the tail end of the Grant Hill era. Uh, and really, you know, a big time for him because he played through uh, some ankle problems, made those worse, and just hampered the rest of his career, especially all that time in Orlando. Uh, looking back, probably didn't appreciate enough what Grant Hill did for the Pistons against the Heat. Uh, but that was the era of the Pistons either missing the playoffs or losing in the first round every year. Uh, not a special time in the franchise's history. A couple big wins, though, or big series, at least one win, one loss against the Heat. 2005, uh, the Pistons beat the Heat in seven games to make it to the finals. That was the year they lost to the Spurs. Uh, but just a real good series. This was the first year the Heat had Shaq. Uh, so Shaq to go with Dwayne Wade. Uh, and the Pistons, they, the Heat were a little feistier than expected to push that to seven games. I thought the Pistons would have an easier time with Miami. Uh, they didn't. The Heat were very good, showing showing signs of life and, and pushed the Pistons to seven games in a very good series. The next year, the Heat showed that, yeah, there was something to that, that they were on the right track. They beat the Pistons in six games in the conference finals. This is a time when it really seemed like Ben Wallace was starting to show signs of decline. The ease Shaq had scoring on him in the post with Shaq's aggressiveness, Ben Wallace just didn't have an answer. And, of course, the Pistons let Ben Wallace go to the Bulls in free agency. Uh, so it was definitely the start of the, the sign of the decline that the Pistons made a couple more conference finals after that. It was pretty incredible. I thought that was going to be just just a step back. And, hey, it was a nice few-year run. Uh, but, no, this, this loss to the Heat did not end it. They kept going. They're still playing at the Palace throughout this year, uh, producing some great memories. Hopefully some more to come this season. Uh, including a little turnaround this year to make the playoffs. That'd be a, a nice a nice thing if the last game at the Palace is not in April 
uh, for the last game of the regular season, but at at least some point in the playoffs. We'll be covering all of that and more. We'll be back to regular programming soon. You can follow Locked on Pistons on Audio Boom or subscribe on iTunes. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Feldman NBA. Thanks for listening. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.